Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome back, Cares Living. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to our most sporadic and non-loyal <laughs> guest in VL podcast history, my own sister, Car D. How's it feel being back in podcast studio? Pretty great. Honored to be back, even though I am not loyal. So feels pretty good. And you have a little bit of, you're fighting a cold? Fighting a little bit of a cold this week. Um, tested for COVID. It's negative. Pretty proud of that. That's what life is like nowadays. You get anything. If you sneeze, you just automatically go, oh, I fucking have it. I know I have it. Well, I live in Oxford and there's like a huge student outbreak there. So... Pretty much you're testing everybody up there if you sniffle. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, by the way, yeah, thanks for coming on. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks. For, thanks for braving through the uh, potential COVID scare, coming on <laughs> and crushing the podcast for the teens. Housekeeping, contact information, vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com and vicariouslivingpodcast on the Instagram. Get at us for all of our swag situations, kids. On the gram, slide into our DMs. I do have an email from the kid listeners tell me about it i need to read this so this email came in september 12th from one Kara l okay you're a little delayed on reading this yeah yeah well first off pat handles looking at the gmail i handle all the instagram and pat didn't notify me that we got this email until like a week ago (laughs) so she reached out Felt really bad. We're taking so long to get back to her. But Kara L., thanks for reaching out. I'm going to read it. Hello, Midwest dudes. Well, I guess right now it's dude and dudette. Just to be want- inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to email and say, I just binged all of your OC episodes. They were fantastic. So she's kind of in the same boat as you. Uh, I would say she's in a bigger boat because I have not binged all the OC episodes. Cool. I totally <laughs> thought you had at least listened to the OC ones. So sweet. Mm, what? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Is there anyone who doesn't hate Lindsay with a fiery passion? Yes. Lindsay fucking sucks more than anything. Redheaded Lindsay. Do you remember her? Yeah. She's the most dull character that has ever been. And remember, she was the worst crier when she would start yeah. crying was would just get really short and high like this and um i'm just really upset yeah no Awful. offense no offense to her but she had a really like shitty nasally voice and it was super annoying she was just bland like her look was bland her voice was bland her storylines were bland yeah. like it all sucked yeah oh and it turns out that her and ryan are kind of related not by blood but no the whole thing was like not related well technically they're not related by blood but they're definitely related they're- by marriage 
and adoption. (laughs) (laughs) So incest alert. Anyways, back to the email. I'm glad to see you are starting season three soon. So perfect for Kara. We did do episode 100 of this podcast was getting back to the OC. That was episode one of season three. And on tonight's pod, we're getting back to season three with episodes two and three. Anyways, perfect timing to just remind you of this little news bit about season three knockoff Seth Cohen, Dennis, a.k.a. Chili. And then she sent me a news article. Yeah. And I remember this happening. So there was this Chili character who we haven't seen him yet in season three, but he's like Johnny Harper's best friend. Mm -hmm. And it's this article about, do you know the way that he died? No. I didn't know that he did die. Real quick, by the way. Also, he's in Sons of Anarchy. He's half sack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um. So he died because. Let me read this. This this guy Chili and his eighty one year old landlady were found dead at her home. So she was known in Hollywood for operating the Writers Villa, a bed and breakfast for up and coming performers. And I guess Lewis had previously lived there three years prior and had recently moved back in. The police were called by neighbors after Lewis violently attacked two people at the property next door. And then Davis was heard screaming. Upon arriving, the officers from the LAPD found Lewis's body on the home's driveway. Davis was found dead inside the house, suffered uh, suffering severe head injuries. And the pet cat was also found dead in the bathroom. Ugh. The neighbors reported... Chili killed the cat, I too? Th- yeah, I think he the killed fuck? his landlady and then the fucking cat. And then the neighbors reported that Lewis had jumped over a fence to the next-door property, assaulted a house painter and the homeowner of some neighboring house, jumped back over the fence, went back into the house of this old 81-year-old lady, and then he either fell or jumped from the roof hell and was killed what the hell said he had no drugs or alcohol in his system at the time oh that totally takes away what i was about to say i was gonna say that sounds exactly like some drug incident ew that is some sadistic like messed up shit to kill an animal like seriously that's something psychopaths do god that's coming from a therapist i can say that on good authority his death was ruled uh, an act of suicide. He said he didn't get pushed or anything, so he hmm. jumped off himself. They just don't know if he was trying to kill himself or like escape or something. <laughs> like from the other guys when they jump off the roof. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, yeah. Thanks, Kara L, for sending that shit over. Cause I knew he had died, but I didn't know how, and that's like really fucked up. I know, especially like without it having anything to do with like drugs or alcohol or like some kind of other explanation just like starting a fight and jumping to your death yeah crazy kara l also said i also hope you appreciate the title of this email is the review just as all oc episodes start with the word the maybe you don't care whatevs kara (laughs) i did not know that (laughs) (laughs) those are some serious fun facts thanks kara l for reaching out yeah um i have one more fun fact that i've I've been like, I've had this chambered and I always forget to bring it up on our OC pods, but big fun fact is 
Did you know that the director of the pilot episode of season one of the OC and episode two, do you know who directed those? Uh Uh-uh. Doug Lyman? Ever heard of him? (laughs) Doug Lyman is the one and only director of The Born Identity. Mm. Swingers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. And Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. How do you go from like teen drama to like action movies? Well, no, he did Swingers before and Born Identity before. And then I think Josh Schwartz, the creator of the OC, was like, we need a big heavy hitter to come in and like direct the pilot of the show. Yeah. And totally did. The pilot of the OC is really good. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you notice the tone, I almost feel like the tone of the pilot is slightly different than the rest of the show. I think it's a little darker. Like you don't yeah. get like Seth's humor yet. And like even like the witty back and forth with like Seth and Summer. And you don't get like some of that stuff. It's definitely darker. Think about this. Remember Adam Brody has a small role in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like the... um basically like the secretary he works for like the bigger agency that i think she's part of because remember he's trying to like get to the special elevator he's like well i got this stuff and he like shows the envelope to the camera and then he's allowed in yeah 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 anyways so yeah i guess that's what totally what his shoe-in was to that movie because that was after the oc yeah yeah um okay we like i said we did a little hiatus where we did uh the the first episode of season three then did a whole bunch the whole season two of the boys now we're back to the oc we're going to do all of season three so let's play a clip of a recap from the first episode get us caught up previously on the oc you're gonna get through this coop i shot someone some are we okay why wouldn't we be because since that night, we haven't really talked about it. What are you doing back in Newport? Caleb dies, boom, suddenly you show up. We'll collect on Caleb's will, and we'll go back to being a normal, happy family. No matter how hard I worked or how hard I tried, it was never enough. Hi, I'm Charlotte Morgan, and I'm not going back to my husband and my boys until I know that I'll never let them down again. You should be coming home any day now, right? Okay, episode two, first day of senior year. Mm-hmm. Now, first thing I wrote is still so wildly confused how they're playing 18-year-olds because <laughs> <laughs> they do not look it. Yeah, as they're drinking their straight black coffee. Like, I didn't drink straight black coffee. I still don't, actually. But I definitely didn't when yeah. I was 17. No, I And I don't. definitely didn't get up early enough to sit and hang out and have a talk with my family. It was like, get up, get in the car, get to school. Yeah. Yeah. They uh they're really mourning people in the Cohen household. <laughs> and not in our household growing up. There was there was not mourning people in there. But yeah, I didn't have my first cup of coffee until at least post college. Yeah. Weirdly enough. I think mine was in college sometime, but it was still like with tons of like cream and sugar because oh, I hated yeah. the taste. What I would do, I hated coffee so much initially. And by the way, I have worked my way to black coffee now. But initially, I hated it so much that I would like go to Speedway and I would fill it up with like those pre-made. So sugary. 
No, no. Remember the that you can like get a pre made like cappuccino. Yeah, they're like straight sugar. Yeah, That's exactly what I'm talking about. So it'd be like ninety eight percent cappuccino and yeah. then like a little splash of their coffee. <laughs> and then I would just like wean myself off. So like every week I would like do a little more coffee, a little less cappuccino. Yeah. Probably God, with that cappuccino, probably putting like at least a thousand calories in my system every morning just starting my day right with all that sugar yeah ryan Um, can't be about that ryan in his mid-30s needs a nice (laughs) lean diet of dry cereal and black coffee to start his day yeah okay first serious thought kirsten is off still like at rehab Mm -hmm. she is battling alcohol addiction and she's been off at rehab Mm -hmm. so sandy and the and the boys have just been fending for themselves Mm -hmm. first serious question why is sandy so ill-equipped to be a fucking (laughs) adult and parent literally no groceries and also Ryan and Seth both have a car and licenses. Like, go to the grocery. The it was so <laughs> sparse in in looking in the refrigerator. They just have, like, spoiled food sitting around and like pizza boxes. They also can't take out the trash if Kirsten's not there. And Look, I've been really shitty against Sandy, and I don't know why. Like, he's been the one character who like. <laughs> didn't translate to me when i've gotten older like i used to love sandy i only own one no that's a lie i own two i own two oc Mm t-shirts the one is just a picture of sandy cohen's face (laughs) that i am wearing on instagram check it out kids i wore that when i met ben buttons mckenzie (laughs) (laughs) so that's one, and then Marissa's mugshot is a long yes. sleeve tee that I have too. Yes. So, anyways, I used to love him so much, and like as I've gotten older and rewatched the show, I'm like, Sandy just like annoys the fuck out of me, and I don't know why. I don't know that he annoys me, but I am noticing now as I watch it back versus when we were younger. He's so corny and cheesy, and like comes in like, "Hey, man, kid." I- I get it. It's rough. And it's like, yeah. All right. The, like, it's a little overkill. He's just mind. so, he's such a cool dad. And he's yeah. always like trying to talk to his kids on their level. Yeah. Like, there's, he's never disciplined in his entire life. <laughs> no. It's just like trying to talk on their level and like reason with them. Like, yeah. come on, man. We're best friends. Come on. <laughs> I'm but, a level with you, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, this episode started and I, I had those feelings come back because like, I'm like, Sandy, you're mid forties, mm-hmm. pu- approaching fifty. You have two kids who are like eighteen. One of them you raised all eighteen years of his life, and you just you can't go to the grocery store, right? Like I get it. Your wife is out of town in rehab, but like it's been three months. Mm-hmm. You do have to go to the grocery store more than once every three months. You're also stupid rich. Like, have someone deliver your yeah. groceries to you. I know. Send someone out for them. Send the kids. It's summer break for them. The kids have nothing to do. Like, what'd you say? Send get, them the credit card and send them to the fucking store. <laughs> get Rosa the maid on it. Like, you, didn't you say that when we were watching it? What's up? Where's Rosa Where the, the maid? Where the hell's Rosa? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you shouldn't have fired her if the place falls apart when Kirsten's gone. Hire her back. 
She's probably available. Maybe she'll test better in the third season than she did the first season. <laughs> she didn't test her shit. They get Rose out of here. Get her out. They hate her. Um, so yeah, Sandy's just failing as an adult. They want the school, if if we recall, Marissa just shot a guy. Yeah. And that guy was Ryan's brother. <laughs> Trey Atwood. She shot him. And so now it's like time to get back to school. And what do we got going on? They're not having it. And we meet the biggest tool yet. Oh, my God. Dean Hess, the new dean of discipline, who is so lame, such a tool. You pointed out no social skills. So preppy and awkward. He wears sweaters under a blazer in August in California. Doesn't track. And he is on a mission to get Ryan and Marissa out. Let's just play a clip of him introducing himself. Yeah. I'm very anxious to talk about Marissa. And Ryan. Thanks, but I uh, don't really think that'll be necessary. I read their files, talked to the arresting officers. I know what I'm dealing with. Well, you never really know what you're dealing with until you talk to the kid. I was a PD in the juvenile system for a number of years, and I, well, I've seen my fair share of kids in trouble. So have I, Mr. Cohen. Got a master's in education. Top six years in boarding schools back east. I like to think I know what I'm doing. I hope so. These kids very much want to go to college. If you kick them out. They've got no shot. Well, frankly, I'm not here to make everyone happy. He's got zero social skills. None. And this guy plays no games. Mm-mm. <laughs> he does no. not fuck Completely around. Completely flat and monotone. <laughs> he came in guns blazing. Like, he was like, hey, I'm not trying to make friends here being the fucking dean of this fucking Obviously. school. No chance. Nope. I'm not trying to make friends. I'm coming in here and I'm going to light this motherfucker <laughs> on fire. My The first day, what I'm going to do is just expel as many people as I can. You, gone. You, gone. I have copious notes here in front of me and all I wrote on him is Dean Hess dash tool. He's such a douche. Such a douche. I, I, you know, so I struggled because to me... And I'm going to do this a little earlier than I usually do, but I was staring at Dean Hess and I'm like, well, fuck, MCITW, that's a pretty serious candidate who's just popping off right at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. I then was thinking, oh, wait, MCITW, we're now back to the OC. I always have to give it to Marissa. (laughs) But while I had those two very serious candidates staring at me, there's one other guy who pops his head in. James Cooper. <laughs> Jimmy fucking Cooper. <laughs> Jimmy the snake. Tate Donovan Cooper. And so I, I'm going to what we are going to outline just some of the shit he pulled in this episode. And to do that, let's give some love to our fine sponsors. Wicklow Wear, W-I-C-K-L-O-W Wear. Be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at wicklowwear.com. Type in the promo code VL. Check out 10% off your order kits. $30 in baseball tees, $20 in tanks, $40 in hooded sweatshirts. Slide into our DMs for all of our good swag situations. I have to give it to Jimmy the Snake Tate Donovan because keep in mind, he was in this series for season one mm-hmm. all the way through. Yeah, He stole pretty much everyone in the county of orange's money mm-hmm. and then bounced uh bu- well stole everyone's money tried to steal kirsten by yeah. kissing her when she was trying yeah. to help him out 
then bounces. Go on. Yeah. Then he takes Kirsten's sister, who's younger <laughs> by over a decade, mm-hmm. goes to Hawaii with her. Yeah. I was going to say he sailed to Hawaii with her, but I realized, <laughs> mm. if it takes five hours to fly there from Los Angeles, that's going to be like a 75-year <laughs> sailing trip. <laughs> yeah, I think that's how that converts. <laughs> so... <laughs> so he he was gone for like all of season two. Then he comes back for this first episode of season three. Why? Solely because his ex-wife's husband died and they're going to read a will and potentially like he's just going to walk into a bunch of money. Yeah, but he says is like, of course, I got to come and take care of my girls. When have you taken care of anything, Jimmy? You literally just create problems. This guy always owes people money, too. Like... <laughs> He never gets in the black. He's always in the red. I don't know why he's never just square with people. Just get a job. Just get a job and make money and spend your money. That's it. Just don't take other people's money. It sucks doing it, I just want to say, because Tate Donovan, he's a close personal friend of this podcast. (laughs) Yes. Because he, wait, he follows you? Absolutely not. No. He wouldn't oh, he go that liked, far. He liked one post. <laughs> I, ta- I tagged him <laughs> in like a bunch of Instagram posts that he wasn't even in. I just added him. And look, every time I do, he likes it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Tate Donovan doesn't have a ton going on right now. No, he doesn't. He's only got like 3,000 followers. But yeah, dude, anyways, besides that, it's just like, even in this episode, He's in the hole and like the first scene we get with him in this episode two is this guy showing up and he's like, Jimmy, what's up, man? You owe me like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, what the fuck, dude? When mm-hmm. are you going to pay me my money? And he keeps saying like, oh, just wait till after I get the will and stuff and yeah. then you'll get paid, man. Then Jimmy does another insane thing, which is he's already in the hole hundreds of thousands of dollars with this guy who seems like a really shady guy. Oh, 100%. He then asked him for a $100,000 loan. <laughs> to try and keep Marissa in school. They're going to donate it. But then when Julie decides that's not going to work, she just then takes the money and keeps it. And he stays in the hole And with Jimmy's this guy. such a fucking pussy that he literally just like lets his life uh, take the money. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. <laughs> so, I Yeah. He refuses, to your point, he refuses to get a real job. If he just would, like, buckle down for, like, a year, Mm -hmm. he could just, like, have a real job that's, like, legal, make some money, pay all of his creditors back. Yeah. And then just, like, go on living normal life. But he refuses to do it. Well, and he had a job. He had a job selling boats and yachts. The guy's pissed because Jimmy is, like, a boat salesmen selling yachts <laughs> i don't know what they're called <laughs> uh, was this out in hawaii that he was doing this no this was he came in, back yeah this was like the job he picked up then yeah. when he's in town taking care of his girls <laughs> <laughs> so the guy agrees to buy a boat gives him a down payment for the boat and then jimmy takes that money and invests it to try and make money off of it so it's a ponzi see he's doing the same shit so let me take this hundred thousand i'm gonna invest it try basically gamble it see if i can make it more and then i'll put that hundred thousand into the boat that this guy originally intended it to and i'll make money off of it or just make the fucking commission you were gonna make off selling a yacht (laughs) it's 
he's doing the so exact dumb. same shit. It's so when he was doing the Ponzi schemes yeah. stuff. Like it's the same thing. People give him money. He invests it and and like tries to like double down and then he loses all of it. And it's yeah. just like he's just the world's worst con artist. <laughs> he's he is. So I'm sorry, Tate Donovan. I know you're a friend of the pod, but like <laughs> this is how bad he was. So yeah. Jimmy Cooper, the snake, Tate Donovan, get fucked and be free and explore. Brought to you by Wicklow Wear. Get bent. <laughs> um, we also get the other the other introduction we get. Because I know in in our listener email she was talking about Chili and we we I forgot we're not even getting him yet like we're not getting him we're no. not getting Volchek we're not getting Johnny we're not getting like a lot of characters yet yeah they're Newport Union days we're not there yet we're not even at Newport Union which is the the public school we're still in the private school and so the only introduction of new characters we're getting is Dean Hess charlotte who is the yeah we'll save her for a second yeah. but charlotte is essentially this chick who's like befriended uh kirsten at rehab and yeah. some shady shit seems to be happening right and then the third one is taylor townsend taylor townsend love to hate her yeah what are your thoughts on her so superficially great tan perfect hair perfectly white straight teeth yeah uh, physically, super hot. Yeah. Everything else totally blows. She's super, super preppy, like popped collar. Everything we saw when we were in high school, it's like plaid, skirts, that whole deal. And she's just all out to like be like the big woman on campus and like take Marissa's spot. And so she's trying to take social chair from Marissa Cooper. Yep. And... By the way, just you're talking about fashion. I did. I made a couple fashion notes here. 2006 fashion pulse check. One, the lady polos. Is that what you're mentioning? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because Taylor, yeah, Taylor <laughs> wears a bunch of lady polos. To me, when I was looking at that, and then like all of her minion friends were all wearing them too. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, this reminds me so much of senior year of oh, high school. Hundred percent, and like super bright colors too for it. So like. A bright lime green polo yeah. with like the green plaid ruffled short skirt, pearls, straight hair, like this like totally classic look that's so boring. The other thing um, you mentioned was bottom eyeliner. Mm. Now, as a dude, I'm not as familiar with that game, but what goes on there? It was just like a trend in the... Uh, like early 2000s of not using top eyeliner on your top lid, only putting it on your bottom. And it's just not a good look. And then just mascara on, on the eyes? If that. And like the eyebrows are still pretty thin in these episodes too. So it's like you get this like heavy lower lid and then barely any mascara and thin eyebrows. So it's just very bottom heavy and nothing up top. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Not a good look. <laughs> Wow, uh, but I'm here for all your fashion and beauty needs. The the what what's a positive though is that Marissa got some kudos from you because you said she is having a great hair season. Her hair and makeup this season is on par. Summer was the one doing like the lower liner thing. Um, Marissa's makeup is super clean and fresh, and her hair is like this light brown, 
like beachy waves, really thick, great hair season for Marissa and fashion season for her. Her fashion's on point. I I actually totally agree. Like, look, I hate the fuck out of Marissa and I know she just gave me a cameo. And so like, I gotta be cool to her and stuff because of the cameo. Check it out. on yeah, her She's Instagram. also now listening every episode. Like Tate. <laughs> her hair is looking good. Yeah. It's like great stuff. And I'm not even a hair, like, I don't really notice hair, but I, mm. I felt the same way. Like, yeah. damn. Yeah. She, she's crushing this hair stuff. Yeah. Okay. Back to yeah. Taylor Townsend. <clears throat> back to Taylor. So she's attractive. Um, but her personality is just simply the worst. Yeah. She's just super manipulative. She's just totally out for our foursome of Seth Summer, Ryan, Marissa. She's just totally out for them. And in cahoots with Dean Hess. It's like Dean Hess and Taylor Townsend teamed up to get the four of them out. Yeah, we don't we haven't gotten to the big thing with between her and Dean Hess. Not the Hess. big thing, but we're seeing we're seeing we're some rumblings. Seeing some collusion. Some cahoots. Some cahoots forming. Yeah, there's there's some cahoots and we don't know exactly what's going on yet, but it seems like Taylor Townsend and Dean Hess are getting close. Yeah, Um, we'll leave it there. Yeah, they Dean Hess then decides that he's going to expel Marissa, but not Ryan. Yeah. Now, this was diabolical by dean hess because this is really i mean you could tell he's coming in and he just wants to set the fucking world on fire yeah so it's like oh perfect because they could go down as martyrs and stuff if i expel both of them and just like send them both out and i'm the villain or i could like just expel one of them and make them sort of turn on each other Mm -hmm. (laughs) like a real maniacal like piece of shit yeah and this is literally his first order of business i know starting at this school so yeah he comes in real hot there was an epic scene um because ryan and marissa like go to plead their case to him like no don't expel her and i just want to play like the clip because i remember this like when i watched it back i was like oh yeah i remember this big time here it Mm -hmm. is marissa it's never different A troubled kid gets a hold of a gun. The ending is always the same. I'm not troubled. You almost killed another kid. I don't even hear a hint of remorse in your voice. Because I don't have any. I'm proud of what I did, and I'd do it again. So, you know what? Maybe the next time you're out on the town talking with people, you should tell them I said that. It's such a battle of two really shitty people. It pissed me off when she said this. Like, I remember being like watching this when we were younger and just being like, God, you did not just say that. And I had the same feeling when we watched it back of just like, here you are, shovel in hand, digging yourself deeper. There's no way you're coming back ever. Great. I know. This is. Goodbye, Marissa. It's like how I always feel is with Ryan, and we'll see it at the end of this episode, you're always like, no, 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 with his fists. Yeah. And then with Marissa, you're always doing that. No, 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 no. With her fucking words. Yeah, don't say that. No, no, oh, oh, no, 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 Marissa. You no, did no. it. Oh, you did it. And she did. She did do it in the scene with Dean Hess where it's like, Marissa, just shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Shut the fuck up. Like, you may get out of this if you just handle this perfectly. And you could just tell she just does. She's too dumb. Yeah. She's too fucking dumb. Yeah. She has no self-preservation instincts. And that's why Ryan is constantly having to save her. Oh, my God. I know. It's such a weird relationship dynamic of like 
she's always this damsel in distress and yeah, he's and always he got a salt thrives on it though yeah i know because he's like one of those yeah. those dudes who like he has to be dating a helpless yeah. complete like idiot and you see that the whole series Lindsay, all Ugh. helpless and crying all the time over her family drama even um teresa Teresa. Complete zero. <sighs> yeah, so this is so true. Ryan has the worst taste in women. Yeah, and the best one he had was in third season. What's her name? Nikki Reed plays her. Oh, yeah, totally. She, Whose uh, cousin Johnny's is that? Johnny's cousin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's her name? Sadie. Sadie. Yeah. She's the best one looks-wise, personality-wise, yeah. and the whole time he's trying to clean up her mess for her, and she's like, I'm not one of these girls you have to take care of. And that was the best relationship. He didn't want and it. she just did, yeah. He didn't want it. No, he didn't want it. He didn't want it. He he had a non high maintenance girl for the first time in his whole life and yeah. he's just like, ew. Yeah. Gross. He didn't know how to he didn't know how to be in a relationship with her because of that. But yeah, so yeah, we see Ryan get in trouble with those fighting instincts to take care of Marissa at the end of this episode when his fists are triggered. Yeah, let's go to that kickoff carnival because honestly, the kickoff carnival is like, you know, when kickoff carnival happens every single OC season, mm-hmm. like shit's going to go down. Yes, every let's, year. Let's just recap. Season one, what happens at kickoff carnival? Ryan and Marissa kiss on the Ferris wheel. Enough said. Season two, what happens at kickoff carnival? Seth tries to declare his love to someone. It's, yeah, it's mostly a Seth it's it's not like Ryan and Marissa just get into a fight. It's mostly mostly a Seth thing, but like Summer, remember Seth had just sailed away, so he had come back from oh, Portland. Oh, she was there with what's Zach. his face, Zach, another dud. And that was that classic <laughs> scene of like, yeah, what do you want? I'm play it. What do you want from me, Cohen? I just want you. No, you don't. You had me. You had me at Chrismica in a freaking Wonder Woman costume, and you chose Anna. You had me three months ago, and you left. I want to make that up to you. It has nothing to do with me. It is about you, and it is always about you. What you need and what you want, you know, it seems that you only want me when you can't have me. You like the chase, and that's all. So you know what? You can have it. She's like, no, you don't. You had me. Yeah. You had me in a Wonder Woman costume mm-hmm. at fucking whatever. And and you chose Anna, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Kickoff Carnival is always big. And it, season three did not disappoint. It didn't disappoint. Same shit. So at this kickoff carnival is like Ryan and Marissa are not supposed to be there because Marissa has been expelled. Right. Ryan... Gets on the Ferris wheel with Marissa. By the way, did you see Ryan's boots in this episode? <laughs> no. I'm mainly bringing up the boots because of the fact that now in season three, it's like the wheels have come off on the stilts that they're giving <laughs> as, uh, uh, Ryan's boots. Like, w- we always joked around on season one and, and two of the OC that Ryan's got like six inch heels on in his boots. I, I, I'm legitimately at the point, like, I think they're, like, at 17 inches. Yeah. It's the thickest sole I've ever seen. <laughs> and then I also think he's got, like, lifts in the shoe. Yeah. So I think there's, like, six inches coming from the sole of the boot. 
and then like another six inside coming from like lifts and it's like dude you're shorter than her (laughs) like if you wanted somebody taller than her get somebody other than ben buttons yeah or get someone other than marissa cooper get a shorter marissa or a taller ryan and then you don't have these wardrobe issues you know that's an interesting question casting what ifs because i really think that they probably could have recast ryan ben buttons mckenzie pretty easily i think a lot of people could have probably played that successfully that role because that role is just really well written and Mm -hmm. it's like a it's the most dynamic character written into the show the guy from the other side of the tracks has got to come in and like try and acclimate to the rich lifestyle that's the most dynamic character to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, they said that Marissa's number two choice that they were going back and forth on was Olivia Wilde, who could never have played that type of role. No. the Right. So as much as I hate Marissa so much, I don't think they could have cast someone else in that role. Well, even so, Olivia Wilde is still taller than Ben Buttons. <laughs> Yeah, so, good, good point on just height. Ben Buttons is the problem. But do you think they could have had Olivia Wilde play that? I, I think that she's too had, strong. She It wouldn't have made sense. Yeah, she would have had to have had a different look. It's hard to imagine how they would have. Like, I can't imagine her having like a softer look that like Misha Barton has in this series. No, I, I do think. So. Yeah, I think Marissa was perfectly cast. So back to the height thing if we're saying that she was perfectly cast now we have to recast ben buttons mm-hmm. and that's where i just go what's liam hemsworth up to in 03 like what's up uh, hemsworth. he was probably pretty young yeah he's probably <laughs> he's like the age of being in high school now so he would yeah he would actually he would have been perfect age to play a high schooler back then because he's like our age i think all I know <laughs> is that I have like tried to plug Liam Hemsworth into so many different projects throughout yeah. the 107 episodes of this podcast. I think on the boys that we just did, I mentioned Liam Hemsworth at least like every single podcast. <laughs> I'm just always, I'm always like, if there's a casting redo, I'm always just thinking like, oh, that's for Liam Hemsworth. You got a man crush. It's okay. <laughs> you there. know what you like. <laughs> Get him in there. So, anyways, back to this kickoff carnival. Buttons, they're on. They're on the Ferris wheel, and Dean Hess shows up. Every dean of discipline goes yeah. to social events. Everyone knows that about the deans of discipline. Even the ones that are off school property, they're on the weekend at night. Yes, the dean still shows A up in his school job uniform. Never ends. This guy. Talk about a fucking Ryan Phillippe practice hero. Dean Hess, if we were giving a Ryan Phillippe practice hero award on this episode, it would go to Dean Hess. I mean, yeah. he's he is going above and beyond more than I've seen anyone do in their job ever in my life. Yeah. It's like, dude, guy, you don't have anything else to do. It's Saturday night at right. 10 p.m. Yeah. Why are you in your Harbor School fucking blazer and... And yeah, he's still in his fucking khakis with sweater tucked in. With a tie on. As the dean, it's like yeah. nothing better to do, bud. You want to kick back in some sweats and just maybe watch some Netflix? They're in the college football game on that's mildly interesting to you tonight. Maybe go yeah. to a bar and try and have sex or something with someone. 
I don't know. Anything? Literally anything. Go out to eat. I know he's not <laughs> married, so it's just, Hell he's no. so confusing. Anyways, they get off the Ferris wheel. Mm-hmm. And Dean Hess is like, hey, you guys got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Then he grabs Marissa. Ryan, totally triggered. Oh, trigger. Goes, Don't touch her. Boom. Punches him. Clip. Excuse me, Miss Cooper. What do you think you're doing? We're not on school property. She's here as my guest. This doesn't involve you, Ryan. I want you out of here right now. It's fine, okay? I'm no, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. Look, she worked on this carnival every year at Harbor. Thanks for the trip down memory lane, but that is not my problem. Now get out of here. Ow! Hey, hey, get your hands off of Another word, you're out of this school. Hey! Don't touch her! Oh my god. That's not good. Down goes Dean. Yeah. Pops up the best, most happy look oh. on his face because he said, oh, This is my lucky day. Here I thought I was going to have to work to throw you out of this school. But you did it yourself. Get out of here. Either of you ever set foot near this school again, I call the police. And all I wish is he wiped the blood from his nose and licked it. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, Real missed opportunity by Josh. I know. Schwartz. Totally. It's so true because if he would have done that, like, because he was bleeding from Ryan's punch, obviously a Ryan, a, bu- a button's punch, that's going to make you bleed. And he like the, what do they call him? Fist of Fury. Fist of Fury. Fist of Fury. Buttons. buttons punches him. He's bleeding like crazy. And yeah, it would have been amazing if he just like, Licked, licked it. it. It was just like, now you're gone. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I love the taste love of my it. own blood. Get out of here, buttons. Yeah. And I was just like, this is the same feeling, though. I remember exactly where I was when I watched this. So let's keep in mind, this show synced up perfectly in my life yeah. with all my exact years of high school. So they're in senior year of high school right now in 06. That's the exact senior year of high school I had. So I was a senior in high school watching this. And I remember this came back on, got together with all my friends, because obviously Thursday at eight, we were all huge fans. (laughs) I mean, if I have a podcast, teen podcast at 33, obviously, you know, back in high school, I was watching this when it aired with my friends. Back before TiVo and DVR, where you had to just shush when the show came on. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Had to go to the bathroom, get a drink, and run back to the room all yeah. in the two minute commercial <laughs> yeah. break. It's on. <laughs> and I remember when he punched Dean Hess, and it yeah. was just like, dude, uh, Ryan, no, 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 no. You Ryan, did the thing. Ryan, no. It's like, I didn't care if Marissa got expelled, to be honest. But like, Ryan. Just don't do that, dude. Totally triggered. Tri- but, dude, that's the thing. You don't touch an Atwood's girl. No. You don't. It's You don't do it. Like, he... That, Dean. By the way, Dean Hess, like, physically yeah. grabs Marissa. Yeah. Can you imagine if that were, like, a show now in 2020 with how woke everything is? Mm. To, like, if that happened in a show that's new now... Oh my like God. that scene would go totally differently where that would cause the Dean to be fired, not Ryan to be expelled. Like, but in 2006, that is all fair game. 
2020, that scene would be canceled before it even airs. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> cancel it. <laughs> Fuck no. Cancel, cancel. Um, so they then both get expelled. And now now it's just like, great. Now, now who knows what the fuck is going to happen? Like, Ryan's out. Marissa's out. Seth and Summer are still going to the school. And we just don't know how this is going to unfold. And, oh, by the way, what I almost forgot to do was I want to play the song that they rolled into after that scene ended because how they roll into episode three Mm -hmm. and when they're doing the ending credits of episode two is with a super like slow acoustic-esque version of Phantom Planets California. Yeah. We've been on the run driving in the sun looking out for number one California here we come Imagine this song is playing and you are like all over your friend's house and then like Ryan just punched the teacher and then this song starts playing and it like rolls to credits and you know you have to wait an entire (laughs) week to see what happens. Yeah. It was just like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. Fuck. And then this is why like that next day of school in our free period, I'm sure me and my friends were breaking down <laughs> like we're doing on this podcast. Doing this just yeah, 13 just years recorded. ago. <laughs> yeah, just when we were actually teens. Okay, should we go to episode three? Episode three kicks off all of them sitting in their favorite booth at the restaurant. And in a hilarious start after a gloomy end, Summer is recapping all the ways that Seth is going to get bullied now that Ryan is gone. (laughs) Yeah, I totally forgot Seth is a nerd because he's just like a tall, hot, really funny and cool guy. So I I, I forget now in season three that he... Oh, wait, he's still like a nerd who gets like physically bullied. (laughs) Yeah. And so they're talking about all the ways he's going to get bullied. And Seth's comedy these past two episodes were really great, too. And I... Love the one. This happens a little later in the episode, but Summer's like, oh, man, I can't believe seniors are still giving wedgies. And yeah. Seth goes, actually, I think they were sophomores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As he's, yeah. like, rubbing his ass from an intense wedgie. <laughs> yeah, a lot of bullying still going down that now it's just off camera. Like, we're yeah. not even getting the bull. It's it's the, For 90% of the time, Seth in our heads is just, like, a totally hot, cool, tall guy <laughs> who's, like, awesome. And then, yeah. yeah, they just have to keep... Remember, everyone, he's a nerd. He's yeah. a nerd, remember. Yeah. And it starts off right away as Seth and Summer are there back at school now, Marissa and Ryan not there. Dean Hess fucking popping out, out of nowhere, just constantly lurking, and essentially threatens Seth and Summer, saying, hey, you need to help out with this thing that Taylor's in charge of. Otherwise, I'm going to expel you too. Like, Weak. uh? Yeah. I know. He he's literally it's at the point with Dean Hess where he's like treating expulsions like detentions. Yeah. Like if you ever do anything wrong, expelled. Yeah. Expelled. Seth made a joke in this episode, he made a joke of like at this rate, you're gonna literally expel the entire school by Thanksgiving <laughs> or something. Yeah. And so true. That, like, does Dean Hess not have any bosses that he has to answer to of like Hey, Dean, um, 
No, even Dr. Let's do Kim. This, let's do this hypothetical role play. We haven't done one of these in a while. You be Dean Hess, and I'm going to be like the board or like the, the bosses of okay. Dean Hess. Okay. Hey, Dean. Hey, Dean Hess. Hey, buddy. Hey. Hey. <laughs> thanks for coming in. Could you could you come in here? Shut the, shut the door behind you. Come on in. Have a seat. <laughs> Thank you. So, it's about. All right. Take it easy because I'm your superior. So take it down Practice a notch. <laughs> take it down a notch, Dean. So. I'm just looking at the numbers here. I'm a numbers guy. I'm an, I'm I'm a, I'm a raw numbers guy. Like I love looking at Excel spreadsheets and just crunching numbers. And I'm looking at these numbers right now. Students who were enrolled here and then were expelled. And I just want to be very clear and ask you a question. Like you are aware that like our goal at this like super elite <laughs> private school in California is to like have students go here so their parents pay tons of tuition money for them to be here, right? Yeah, I thought I was the dean of discipline. My job is discipline. Right. <laughs> understood. Understood. I, I just, but you're you're you are clear though that this school does have to make money, right? And and the main way that this school, from an economics perspective, like dollars in, <laughs> it's all cut. It's tuition. It's it's tuition money. So, like, if you keep expelling people at this rate, the whole school's going to go under. Do you see what I'm saying, Dean? Listen, I got my master's at whatever bullshit school he went to. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I worked in East Coast boarding school. So oh, I know yeah. a little bit about kids, too. Oh, right. That's what he said yeah. to Sandy in that meeting. <laughs> yeah. Sandy's yeah. like, I'm a public defender. I know troubled kids. Dean Hess goes, I have a master's, and I worked in boarding schools. In hard knocks. I know troubled kids. <laughs> I come from okay. the school of hard now knocks. Now that we're done with that dick measuring contest, moving on. Yeah, dick measuring contest for who's had a shittier life dealing with shittier poor kids? It's certainly not you, preppy <laughs> Dean Hess. I'm going to say it's Sandy from the Bronx. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> Great, you've dealt with like shittier poor people. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like what the fuck. Yep. So it, it's just it's so wild to me that Dean Hess is he's got no like no superiors to check in with and be like, hey, yeah, I'm probably like using the expulsion thing a little too frivolously. No, even with Doctor Kim, Ryan goes in to complain like, what the hell is up with this guy? Like, come on, help me out. And she's like, oh, it's it's out of my hands. Like, you're the headmaster. How yeah. is the dean of discipline not under you? Like, yeah. you are headmaster. He is dean. Clearly, he's under you. What do you mean it's out of your hands? So he's just completely drunk on power. Yeah. No checks. I just... <laughs> so unrealistic it's 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 such a yeah th this guy has come in and he's just setting this entire school on fire yeah he's um, got some small dick energy for real uh yeah i would agree with that for mm -hmm. sure mm -hmm. like it, a lot of like i'm not gonna be shocked if whenever they show us the car he drives it's like a yellow corvette yeah and when they show us his penis it's a micro penis <laughs> yeah no one fox <laughs> God, I wish this was a Netflix show, because then we or HBO, because we oh, would have totally yeah. seen Little Chode, Little Chode. Totally would have been a little Dick syndrome if it was on <laughs> HBO. Like there'd be one scene where 
they he just like gets out of the shower and they show full frontal nudity of <laughs> Dean Hess and it's like oh no okay now I get it <laughs> get it all right so back to Jimmy yeah Jimmy just decides <laughs> it, just he's suck got again. <laughs> he's got to escape he needs to just there's only one way to escape his problems and that's to just physically sail away again it's to propose to Julie and say, hey, let's get married and we're all going to go to Hawaii, yeah. not just for a honeymoon. <laughs> we're moving the whole family to Hawaii. He frames it as a fresh start. But what we all know is he's running from this gangster dude. Hawaii is like his, <laughs> his Florida. It's just like, where where do I escape to where I can just get away with anything? Yeah. I've always thought it was Florida, <laughs> but apparently it's just when you're on the West Coast, it's just, yeah, let's just go. Let's just sail to Hawaii. So other thing about Jimmy is he has zero foresight. None. It's all impulse, which is exactly why he just steals money without any idea of how that's going to play out. <laughs> I just when you said it's all impulse, I just imagine Jim Jimmy like going to the grocery store like so. I imagine Jimmy makes no list. No, no. grocery list. No. There's no plan. Jimmy just wa- he just somehow he gets to the grocery store. I I'm I'm not sure how he gets there, but he he gets there. Yeah. He stumbles in. He's like confused when he walks into the door, like walks through the doors. He doesn't really understand what's going on because he's a child. Yeah. He walks in and then he sees like the Oreos on display. <laughs> And he sees like the new ones with like the raspberry filling and then the other ones that are like cookies and cream filling. And he just starts grabbing all the flavors of Oreos and he fills up half of his cart with Oreos. And then he like goes a little further and he sees that like the new frosted flakes, they have like marshmallows in them. He puts four frosted flakes with marshmallows in the basket. Jimmy gets like 10 feet into the grocery store and his entire cart is already filled up with all impulse items. He has no list, no budget, and he also went to the grocery with no money. So then he's oh, going to yeah. get to the checkout and just be like, ah, 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 what, ah, what now? Do I, what al- now? What happens he now? He always makes that noise when he's like, his hands are tied. It's like, ah, ah, ah. I don't just leave. <laughs> I don't just walk out with all the food I, for I mean, free. What do, you, what do you want me to do? I'm, pr- I'm I'm taking care of my family with these Oreos and Frosted Flakes. How about this? You give me a check for all these groceries. <laughs> Let's just call it $300 even. You give me a check for $300 and then I'm going to reinvest it. <laughs> I'm a really good investor. Trust me. Trust me. I lost a mansion over it. Trust me. So he has zero foresight. He literally lives day by day. And you know that saying of like hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. For Jimmy, his foresight is like 2150. It, I would say his hindsight is also equally bad because he should have learned his lesson. His last time he was run out of town. He is visually impaired. He is <laughs> scientifically and medically fucking blind both in foresight and hindsight yeah he should absolutely be a ward of the state 
Yes, correct. I have no idea how Jimmy even got to like the age of 30 without accidentally killing himself. Like choking on a grape. Or again, like how he doesn't understand consequences. So how at like the age of like 27 when he's just driving on the highway, does he not just like park his car on the highway and just like get out and start (laughs) meandering about and just get hit by a semi? Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't understand like how consequences or just like anything in life works right so i don't know how he's gotten this far and that's why he's the ncitw winner (laughs) because he's just such a dumbass yeah and by the way we have to talk about him jimmy's getting a lot of discussion on this one because after this he's gone again forever right i think yeah i'm pretty sure he's forever gone yep let's pause on jimmy though okay Let's just give a background on what's happening with Kirsten and Charlotte because there's a B storyline happening with them that should just be noted. Yeah. So Charlotte and Kirsten met at rehab and Charlotte immediately pounces on Kirsten's story. This is back episode one of like, oh, it's like when you were talking about your dad, it was like me and my dad. Like I relate to you so much. So Charlotte has weaseled her way in. And now Charlotte is being the biggest bummer every time Kirsten's talking about being ready to leave rehab or talking about how great Sandy is, whatever it is. Charlotte's like, oh, well, I remember when I left and found myself at the bottom of the lake drunk, like with some fucking super pessimistic story. And she's clearly like just trying to keep Kirsten there. But like, we don't really know why yet. Like, all we know is that she's kind of a bummer. And she essentially talks Kirsten out of not going home yet and going to this lake house that she claims her dad owns. Yeah, it's it's their own little halfway house, except it's like rich L.A. style. So it's like on a lake and it's it's the middle point between like leaving rehab and coming home. And Charlotte, something is like percolating where I know what it is, but I remember when I was watching this, I was just like, something is up with this bitch. Yeah, she gives off bad vibes right from the start. Yeah. Just like, this is not just like some goodwill woman who like wants to help out a no. down and out Kirsten. Like, there's clearly some vibes of like, eh, and she's always lurking. She's listening in on her conversation on Kirsten's conversations with Sandy. And then we see, can I get into the will? Yeah, yeah. So then it gets into they're finally going to read Caleb's will. Caleb's will. And Sandy's like, come on, like, you got to kind of step into the real world. And Charlotte's like, even down to the wire, trying to talk her out of it, or like, I'll tell you, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. We'll stop it, like, just being so extra. And, but Kirsten still goes. And you see, you see that Charlotte's not pleased with it. And you no. also see that Charlotte's not sober. She's like sneaking drinks. She's like fake crying to Kirsten. You're getting like all the things now that's showing like, oh, she's gaming something here. And we then still know San- why yet. Yes, yeah, Sandy calls because like after the will reading and we'll get into what happens in the will reading. But just to put a button on this story, Sandy calls her and he's like, hey, where's my wife? Where's my wife? And she's like always manipulating she tells sandy she's like she didn't even want to go to the well reading you basically forced her which is such a lie because she wanted to go and she like 
made Charlotte like back the fuck off. So she's always like pulling strings. She's yep. always like pulling manipulation strings. And it's clear like she's trying to like wedge her way into this Cohen family. Yeah. And we don't know why yet. But yeah. something seems nefarious. Something's off. And we know it has something to do with money at the very end of the episode. Oh, yeah. Because her check doesn't clear with this lake house they're staying in. So now we know like, all right, you're not an alcoholic trying to get sober. Yeah. You don't have all this money. This isn't your dad's house. Okay. You're shady. And that's all we know at the end of the episode with Charlotte. But Charlotte sucks. She sucks. But talk about the will. Do you want me to just play the scene? Oh, we can do that. Yeah. Let's just play how this will. It's a pretty quick reading. Yeah. Okay. After careful scrutiny of his account, it's become clear that Caleb Nickel was broke. Broke? What's broke? Well, Caleb had a series of high-interest loans. Two mortgages in the house, back taxes. What about the business? Uh, Why do you think he was borrowing so much money? It's quick because Caleb's broke. (laughs) There's no money. Caleb has no money. In fact, I think he's, like, completely broke, like may even be in debt like still stuff to pay off and all that's there then is the letter given to kirsten she's terrified to read it and storms off yeah so she's got a letter she's got to read but the other thing is that the look on jimmy's face when the will was read um it was the look of i just shit my pants because he probably took a giant dump in his pants as he heard that there was no money coming his way and he was in debt hundreds of thousands of dollars add another 100k to it that he just incrementally threw on at the drop of a hat because he was bored yeah so jimmy like takes a massive dump in his pants and (laughs) the look of fear i mean dude look kudos to maybe we should we should praise tate donovan because you could read on his face every bit of dread he was so this guy crushes acting then tate donovan friend of the pod mvp jimmy cooper (laughs) mcitw yeah he is definitely like so good at playing like this guy who just stole everyone's money and then he's about to get his ass beat again and now he's gonna take a dump in his pants yeah He's so good at playing that. Yeah. So at this Will reading, it's like Jimmy's heart and his dick and a dump drops all into his (laughs) pants at the same time. And I'm like, oh, my God, Jimmy is fucked. He is so fucked. Like, because the guy he owes money to is like shady as shit. So shady. And he's so ominous. Whoever plays that guy is doing it pretty well because he's like nice and cordial to jimmy in a really scary creepy way he does a good job i want to say i remember him from another show and i feel like it's prison break but i feel I, like he could be in like the sopranos or something it's like a really intimidating type like mobster guy i think he's something like that in prison eh. break I, I he's in another show in a similar role like this though where yeah he's he's like kind but like behind his kind eyes, you're like, something's off yeah. here. Yeah. Like if I don't do what this guy wants, we're all done. Yeah. So anyways, it just leads though, because we haven't had a montage. I mean, I've been just like craving like where and when am I going to get some montages like back in my life? And we got a trip montage. It's in beautiful. This. 
trip montage. We're going to play a little music for this trip montage. I say trip as in triple. There's three things <laughs> happening in this montage. One, Marissa and Ryan fucking in their beach sex hut. This is their first time yeah. ever having sex. Big moment. Number two on this trip montage. Kirsten, after the will, contemplating if she should read the letter or not, she goes to a motel, turns off her phone when everyone's trying to call her, and she bought some alcohol, and she's like contemplating, do I drink this vodka or not? Mm-hmm. Number three in this trip montage, Jimmy getting annihilated. <laughs> annihilated physically. By this guy who <laughs> owes money and like his henchmen. Yeah. They're in, like drowning him in the ocean. Yeah. Kicking him, uh, beating him to a pulp. Total annihilation. And that's the theme of the montage. Kirsten getting annihilated drunk, although yeah. she never did end up drinking. Jimmy getting annihilated by getting beat to shit physically. Yep. And Marissa getting annihilated <laughs> in her first time with her Ryan. Sexually. So we have a physical, sexual, mm-hmm. and emotional annihilation. annihilation. It was consensual yeah. annihilation. So it, we can call it that. It's fine. It's it's a annihilation trip montage. <laughs> Love seeing it. Love seeing it. Yeah. So it all leads to this final Tate Donovan scene where it's, it's now daylight. And... All everything of the night's activities are finished. It's now the next day. Marissa goes and sees him on his boat. Yeah, he calls her. He calls her. Yeah. To go to him so that he can say, I can't live in this town. Yeah, the town's the problem. Not you and your Conways. Okay. Yeah. He's totally beaten to shit. He even like sounds weird because his nose is probably broken. Yeah, listen to listen to him here. Uh, I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm, I'm in real trouble for us. I tried to fix it. I, 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 I couldn't fix it. I gotta go, and I, I, can't, I can't take you with me. Look, I've been a terrible father. And then gives her a letter to give to her mom, who's waiting at the club to get married to him. And then Marissa has to do his bidding. And that's the end. That's a perfect ending yeah. for Jimmy Cooper because it sucks and he sucks. Like, yeah, go send your 18-year-old daughter to do your bidding while you skip town. He's such a pussy. Yeah. He's like the lamest excuse for like a dude. Like such an adult. A bad dad. Like like an adult dude, he is the poo. Like yeah. he's the poo. He's the worst. <laughs> I don't know any other way to describe him. He is the poo that was in his pants when he shat them at the will reading. The, the poop emoji is Jimmy Cooper. But it can't have a smiley face on it. No. Because it's not even that great. That That's it. It's the poop emoji is Jimmy Cooper is the poop emoji with no smiley face. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, there's no... If you look up Jimmy Cooper in <laughs> Webster's Dictionary, it's just going to be the a, a poop yeah. With no, it's not a poop emoji. It's just with the smile. It's just poop. Yeah. He's poop. Whatever. Good riddance. See ya, dude. Like, you know, yeah. in one in one way, I'm a little sad because it's like, 
I love ripping on him so much. Mm-hmm. And like, God damn, this whole OC podcast that we've done has been like 89% Jimmy Cooper. <laughs> He's so awesome. So but, much content there. But I feel like this is good. It's like, just right. go leave. You're dude. done. You have no redemption here. You yeah. gotta go. Yeah. You can't even man up and like tell your wife that you're bouncing and you're going to have your 18 year old daughter do it. Like you yeah. can't even like give us one little like last like yeah, shred you called of a Marissa hum- to you. Why didn't you call Julie to you? Like instead, Julie spends her whole morning getting ready in a wedding dress and makeup and hair. Like, why wouldn't you have called her and saved her that trouble? So, yeah. yeah. So that sucks. And then you see like these two like cathartic moments you see julie crying with marissa because she's like what the fuck are we gonna do (laughs) i married that guy (laughs) fuck what are we gonna do and then you see kirsten she comes home she didn't drink and she has like this cathartic cry when she reads the letter from caleb and he's actually apologizing so that's like a kind of cute moment with sandy and kirsten when she's like finally back home and all that settles down yeah, so two things. One on the first one you mentioned, that's got uh, on Julie. I can't imagine how tough that would be. I mean, yeah, that totally blows. She, she, her husband just died. Her husband was like, seemed like he was a billionaire. He's the richest real estate mogul in all of the county of Orange. And then, like, he dies and turns out he was broke and he left you no money. So now you yeah. have zero money. And then you think that your ex-husband, who you do still love, is going to, and the father of your child, is going to come back and, like, you guys are at least going to all be in this together, get your family back together, and, like, we'll all do this together. And then he fucking bounces. So, goddamn, like, she's just there with her 18-year-old daughter, like, no job, no skills, like, no money, no, no dude to even fall back on, like, literally nothing. Yeah, Julie's easy to villainize, and, like, she definitely does her fair share of fucked up things, one of which being recently when she tried to pin the shooting on Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a shitty move. But ultimately, like, even when she was first married to Jimmy, like, he never told her there were financial issues. Like, she never knew. And same with, like, Caleb. Yeah. She never knows. And now with Jimmy, like, she's always out of the loop and then left to, like, clean up the mess. So, like, she's easy to villainize, but, like, I definitely feel for her in this moment. It's all complex shit. It's I, I think it's why Julie Cooper became a staple of this show, because, yes, oh, she's, yeah. like, she's hands down the quote-unquote villain of the series. Sure. She's the evil, manipulative, manipulative bitch, but it's really not her. Like, she's got so many redeeming qualities, yeah. and she actually became became, like, a main build cast member solely because of how dynamic she was as an actress. So like, yeah, she has a pretty interesting like arc as a character. She's just complicated. She's, she's, she's like misunderstood a lot and Mm -hmm. she is, she does do a lot of bitchy things, but I think it's all like exterior shit that she does. I think like inside she's actually like a good character person. Well, I think ultimately she's just like, She's scrappy and gamey, but that's always for, like, the best for her family. Yeah. So, like, even with that whole thing with Ryan, super shitty, but she's just being, like, big old mama bear for Marissa. Like, she's just scrappy and gamey, and so, sure, that makes her the villain at times, but, like, she's ultimately going to make sure she and her family, like, gets their needs met, 
even if she has to marry another old rich guy. <laughs> yeah, she's got good intentions. It's yeah. just how she outwardly expresses it sometimes doesn't come off. Second thing I was going to say to get to the Kirsten thing is that would be tough as fuck too because like your dad writes you a letter right before he dies not knowing he's about to die after yeah. he had an argument. Yeah. That would be an insanely tough. Yeah. But then she reads it and and he was actually cool in the letter and now Kirsten's going to move back home. The Coens are all getting their household together and we see Charlotte like leaving that rental property and we're like, well, what the fuck's going to happen with Charlotte? Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the Coens are now all back together and positive note, they got someone to go to the grocery store <laughs> and see episode three ends with they finally because Kirsten's back. They have someone to physically go to the grocery store and get eggs and milk yes. and stuff. <laughs> and and it's all them in the kitchen. Everything's cool. And they're all like teamwork Cohen style putting groceries to, uh, away together. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, God, Sandy, we don't let us down. You can't even go to the grocery store. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Only Kirsten can. Any other things you want to touch on or do you want to get to your MVP of these two episodes? I think that's all my notes. I'm ready. So am I doing an MVP from each episode or one for no, both? No, just one. One overall person that stuck out to you as <laughs> just the person who was, who was really churning and burning. Ugh. I'll talk you through my thought process on it. So I want to go Seth because I feel like his comedy was on point in these episodes. He made the joke about his Jewish stomach not being able to handle the spinny ride. He had the the whole bullying thing going with some good quips. (laughs) So I wanted to go Seth. But think instead, I'm going to go with Summer. For mm. overthrowing Taylor Townsend yeah. and taking over social chair. So she knocked Taylor Townsend right off that little podium, doing it her way, and took over the kickoff carnival and all of that. So I want to say Summer Roberts, MVP, keeping Marissa's legacy alive. Yeah, I, it's, it's a respectable pick because... Look, Summer was always the sidekick. She was always Marissa's sidekick. and She actually wasn't even a main character at the start of season one. No, wasn't. She was not supposed to come back. And she has just like worked her way into the cast and into the popular crowd. But Marissa was always like the main bitch. And then Marissa now has been expelled. And so Mm -hmm. this Taylor Townsend girl is coming in and just about steal everything summer roberts says not on my watch no and i so in that regard and i don't think summer actually gets enough love on this podcast to be honest like i don't think we sing her praises enough so i'm totally cool with her getting yeah and she MVP. helps with the whole tiki hut plan i think yeah summer roberts cool Hey, sometimes the biggest hero is just literally the person who's going to go against one of the most annoying bitches of all time, Taylor Townsend. And she goes against Taylor Townsend multiple times in this episode. Yeah. Like, they're definitely enemies of each other. So, 
Stay tuned for more of that. Stay tuned. I do seem to recall that also in the stay tuned process, there's something with like Taylor getting a crush on Summer's man, Seth, too. Oh, yeah. That's after Dean Hess days. Yeah, so. I know. It, it'll all come. Um, okay, cool. Cardi, thanks for coming on. Happy to be here. Appreciate it. You braved the sickness. Only had to pause a couple times for coughs and sniffs. Mm-hmm. I'll edit those out Thank and you. make it sound like you were never sick. <laughs> but tonight we are going to let you get some sleep. NyQuil is calling my name. If they want to sponsor this, they can. NyQuil, get at us. Kids, <laughs> you have a really good night's sleep. Have a very comfortable, warm, tuck-in situation as you go to sleep tonight. And Car, help with the sign-off. What are we going to tell those kids? Clear eyes, full hearts. Do less, kids. Do less. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there. Just not pictured. Steven and Elsie. Both there. Just not pictured.